and Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, welcome to Sports Day WA. You're with Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company. Thanks to Mardo. Uh, of course, Hayes not well today, but hopefully he'll return uh, tomorrow between 3 and 5 here on SENWA. You can join us anytime on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. Of course, Bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. You can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. And the program is brought to you by the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Footy's back. Uh, the first of fourth-year players returned to training today. Uh, we heard from the West Coast Eagles, and uh, Steve Allen, in the run home, was down at the Eagles training. Quite a few of the senior players actually rocked up. And uh, very shortly, we'll speak to Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian, who watched the Dockers go through their paces today and a bit of news coming out of there. But for the good oil for Cobram Estate, Premium Australian Extra Virgin Olive Oil, I suppose the big late story that uh, broke this afternoon is that uh, the Perth Glory is back on the market after its highly touted sale to a Melbourne-based property group fell through at the final hurdle. As we know, in July, it was announced Perth Glory would be placed into receivership. Last month, it was announced the club would be sold to a Melbourne-based property group. And today, that deal is now off after the consortium failed to fulfil key elements of the deal. Uh, in a statement, the APL, uh, which governs the competition, said the purchase had been terminated after the group failed to satisfy key elements of the deal. It said the club would remain with administrators, Cordamentha, which would now renew talks with other parties previously linked to a potential sale and Cordamentha has so far declined to comment. We'll have more on that a bit later on. Uh, for Cobram Estate, the big story breaking this afternoon, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. So we will be going with the top five and then we'll speak to Craig O'Donoghue uh, after the break. Okay, so Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australia coming up after the break. But let's have a look at the top five at five and it's all brought to you by Novus Autoglass. There's a uh, one near you. All you need to do is call 13 22 34. The top five stories across the weekend from the last 24 to 48 hours. So let's roll through them right now. Number five. Yeah, I think it's always challenging when you when you lose a piece of the puzzle, but um, you know we have a bit of a mentality here that, that one goes and one comes in. So um, we full faith in the guys coming through and, and everyone in the group that um, you know we can find that that missing piece of the puzzle and move on as quick as we can and get going. Speaking of under 18s former teammate of yours in Harley Reid could be coming west. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Is that exciting if that happens? Oh, yeah, super exciting. I think it's just super exciting to get any any youth into the into the list at the moment. I think us young boys, we're obviously all, as you touched on, all great mates, and if we can continue to grow that, that friendship group, I think it'll be super exciting. So whether it's Harley or anyone else, um, yeah, I'm super excited to get some more young boys. Yeah, and first you heard from Josh Tracy. Uh, no doubt we'll need to step up next season as a key forward. He was at Frio training today, uh, speaking there about Lockie Schultz, who was a departure 
from the Fremantle Dockers uh, during the trade period. And as we know, Lockie Schultz now will be wearing the Magpies colours in 2024. So he's talking about the departure of Lockie Schultz and how he'll need to step up after, of course, losing Rory Lobb also last season, uh, losing a couple of key forwards. Uh, a lot of importance now on Josh to fill the void. And Noah Long at the West Coast Eagles was put up today, talking about Harley Reid. And it looks like the West Coast Eagles are likely to land Harley Reid with their potential number one draft pick, which happens next Monday. And a few of the senior players also rolled up to the West Coast today, the likes of Alan, Barras, Waterman, Shee, Duggan, Cripps, McGovern, Petricelli, Witherden, Cole, Williams, Jones, Rotham, Elliot Yo, they all joined in with their younger teammates today. As I mentioned, we'll get a full update from Craig O'Donoghue on how the Dockers went uh, a little later on. Number four. So the Crows and Melbourne will open the round on Thursday night at the Adelaide Oval. Brisbane Lions playing North Melbourne in a twilight fixture on the Friday before Port Adelaide and Essendon play in a blockbuster Friday night clash. The Adelaide Oval will then host a doubleheader on Saturday as Fremantle and Carlton battle it out in the afternoon before the Western Bulldogs play Geelong in the evening. The West Coast Eagles and Sydney Swans will match up on Saturday afternoon before the Suns and the Giants play the early game on Sunday. St Kilda face Richmond on Sunday afternoon. The action will then return to Adelaide Oval for a twilight match for the final game of Gather Round, where the reigning Premier's Collingwood will take on Hawthorne. So that was announced by, as we know, uh, the brand-new CEO of uh, the AFL in uh, Ash Dillon. So you look at it, Thursday, April the 4th, it gets underway, uh, and it runs through Friday, also Saturday and then Sunday, all the games, of course, in Adelaide spread through the Adelaide Oval. Uh, Norwood Oval will take part. And Mount Barker in the Adelaide Hills will also uh, be part of the gather around April next year. The Eagles play at Mount Barker, while the Dockers play Carlton at the Adelaide Oval. And gather round announcement in uh, South Australia with Andrew Dillon, of course, the new CEO. Coming in at number four. Number three. Trying to give it inside. It's worked too. Raheem Sterling against his old club. Alvarez has got around the outside. This is Haaland. Manchester City score 90 seconds after the restart. Rodri. It's deflected in. Rodri might just have won it. Guys, uh, if we, people respect what we have done, we come here for you know for uh, to win zero seven. That is, uh, this is not going to happen. Important is going to national break, top of the league. I couldn't expect after Arsenal game when we lost and uh, we are qualified for the Champions League. We are top of the league. Where we come from? Uh, wow, that is really really good. And now rest. Hopefully they can bad fit and the next games that they are really really tough. Probably the game of the season so far in the EPL. That's Pep Guardiola, the manager of Manchester City, talking there. And Cole Palmer held his nerve to dispatch a stoppage time penalty for Chelsea, joining Raheem Sterling and scoring against his former employers, Manchester City, in an astonishing 4-4 draw. Uh, Chelsea uh, had lost the past six editions of this fixture without scoring a goal, but came from behind three times to earn a point against Guardiola's side, who edged back in front of Arsenal and Liverpool at the top of the Premier League table. Number two. Into the gap. A hundred for Mitch Marsh. A fine knock. 
his second ton of this World Cup. Teammates are on their feet, crowd are on their feet, and the big boy from Western Australia has done a fine job for his country. That's gone. Lofted away over square leg. A ninth six to Mitch Marsh. Yeah, it feels great. Um, probably had a few games in the middle of the tournament where I lost my intent, so um, yeah, it's really good to sort of learn quickly and back myself. I'm probably going to fail a few times, but um, yeah, hopefully I come off more than I don't. I'm sure my nana and mum and all the family will be watching at home, so hopefully it's put a smile on their face. Um, yeah, my pop was a, a great man and uh, they celebrated his life um, yesterday afternoon. Um, I'm sure they probably had a few beers too, so um, yeah, it was nice to um, be able to perform for the family, but just good to get a win. Yeah, well done, Mitch. 177 against Bangladesh. Uh, flying visit back to pay his respects to his family and, of course, his late grandfather, in Ross before being told basically by his nana and members of the family that Pop would have wanted you back in the subcontinent, wearing the Australian colours and doing what you do best, of course, flaying the bat. And he did that against Bangladesh with uh, conviction, scoring 177. Well done, Mitch Marsh. Number one. Well, number one is uh, Nadra, no doubt the story today about Perth Glory back on the market after its uh, highly touted sale to a Melbourne-based property group fell through to the final hurdle. I believe, and this is only what I am led to believe, that uh, the new consortium, which was that Melbourne-based property group, paid around $15 million for the licence to the Perth Glory. And as part of the deal, I believe there needed to be a first-up payment to the Australian professional leagues, who, of course, run the A-League competition, and there may have been an issue with that. So then the statement came out that the AAPL said the purchase had been terminated after the group failed to satisfy key elements of the deal. So now the administrators, Cordamentha, which uh, will need to go and talk to other interested parties. There were seven bidders for the Perth Glory licence after it was relinquished from Tony Sage. But one thing I just can't get is how this... And it was supposed to settle, I believe, on the 8th of November. So it was surprising that we got to the 13th of November today and there still was no word about the... Basically, the takeover, where on November 8th, they were going to take control of it, uh, this group... But what's happened here is that they came over. I spoke to, when it was announced, I spoke to one of the partners right here on this program, John Nekic, who was announced as the Glory's new chairman and said his priorities would be to improve its facilities and re-engage with the community. So he came out to Perth as well, and so did his partner. They were introduced to the Perth Glory administration they were toured around the Perth Glory facilities to Optus Stadium and basically were introduced to the wider community. Why did this all happen prior or after, prior to this, certainly the day-to-day? I just thought, why go through all this expectation? Everybody thought the deal was done and all of a sudden at the 11th hour today they said that the sale has not gone through. Shouldn't that have been ratified first? Shouldn't have everything been ticked off first before these individuals were paraded to the broader community here in Perth and uh, Western Australia? To me, it's very bizarre. It was uh, poorly um, handled, in my opinion, and now 
uh, I feel for the administration, the players, everybody connected with the Perth Glory, that they've got to go back to the drawing board and we'll see what happens regarding the next owner for the Perth Glory Football Club. The top five at five uh, brought to you by our friends at uh, Novus Auto Glass. Don't let your old windscreen end up as landfill. Call Novus Auto Glass 13 22 34. We'll speak uh, to Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian next. Look forward to having a chat to him about uh, what happened at Fremantle today. Pre-season training commenced for the West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers. We covered the West Coast Eagles in the run home. Uh, Let's find out how the Dockers uh, scrubbed up today, uh, some of the details on who actually was on the track and what was the general talk down at Coburn. Craig O'Donoghue comes up next here on Sports Day WA, thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. The all-electric Kia EV6, with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yeah, it's great to have your company. You are here for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. As we mentioned, AFL footy's back. The first of four-year players returned at both Fremantle and West Coast earlier today, even though at West Coast there was quite a few of the senior players that decided to go down as well. As I mentioned, the likes of Oscar Allen, Tom Barris, Jake Waterman, Dom Sheed, Liam Duggan, Jamie Cripps, Jeremy McGovern, Jack Petricelli, even Alex Witherden, Tom Cole, Bailey Williams, Jermaine Jones, Elliot Yeo and Josh Rotham all decided to join their younger teammates. Just wondering what the turnout was like at the Fremantle Footy Club. Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian was there and Craig joins us on the program at 18 past five. Craig, thanks for your time. No worries, Pete. Ah, lovely to have a chat to you. What was it like getting back to footy training again? It only seemed like yesterday when you were doing it. Yeah, it does only seem like yesterday that the season finished, but for both of our teams, it's obviously been a long time because they, they both missed the final. So there weren't as many numbers on the track for Freer. They've still got a few guys who are in rehab in that first fourth-year group, guys like Brandon Walker and Heath Chapman and Tom Emmett as, as examples of that. And then they've got a core group of senior players who are overseas uh, with Justin Lomuel visiting American sporting franchises. So those guys were never going to be there to sort of bolster the numbers like we saw at West Coast. But there were guys like Michael Walters and Brennan Cox and uh, Jordan Clark um, as, as examples of more senior players who, who turned up today to help out the younger guys. Mm. So what was the, the program like? We know there was plenty of running. Uh, Ruben Jimby was the star attraction from a running perspective at West Coast. What about at Fremantle today? So they did a series of 1K time trials, which suck. Like, you have to turn up and do those. Anyone who's who's played footy at any level knows that doing the 1K time trials with a minimal recovery is not enjoyable in the, in the slightest. So they did a series of those ones. Um, and it was, the most interesting part of that was we know that there's a vacancy on the wing now that Liam Henry has left. So you need to find someone who can run hard and, and cover the ground. And a 1K time trial is probably the ideal sort of uh, test to see how you're going to go in that. So And especially repeat running like that. So... Michael Frederick was going really well in those. Neil Erasmus was going really well in those. And so it was Nathan O'Driscoll. So there's three guys who you would expect 
um, to be wanting to play a, a lot of senior footy this year and who would have an eye on the wing. I'm not sure that Frederick is best suited to that role for Fremantle. I think he's better for them as, as that half forward pushing up the ground, but there's no doubt that O'Driscoll and Erasmus would be saying, well, we want to make that position ours, mm. and they're pushing really hard and consistently throughout those runs. Josh Tracy was put up to the media today. No doubt his responsibilities could grow. And I know he spoke about Lockie Schultz and the vacancy that was left last season by Rory Lobb and the need to maybe step up. Yeah, and especially from a, from a leadership and a vocal point of view, when you look at that criminal forward line, Luke Jackson plays there at, at different points and he's not a really vocal sort of a, a person. And Jai Amos is similar, not really a vocal sort of a person. Um, and, and then you've got Lockie Schultz, who was that, that lit person who, who pushed the, the, the talking side of the game and making sure everyone was listening and doing what was required. So Josh said that that is a vacancy that needs to be filled. That voice will be a void that they need to replace. And he's determined to be that player who's a fourth-year player now and has been around the traps a bit. Um, to say, well, I'm a big body and I'm a big voice. I'm prepared to, to tell people what, what I think needs to be done to make sure that we've got someone doing that. So it's so important to have those sorts of leaders out, in the, out on the field. And if he can do that, it cements your position even further than what it would normally be. Mm. And, of course, Joe Bridie has taken over the role that's been occupied by Peter Bell for the last few seasons. Was Joe present uh, overseeing training? Yeah, everyone was putting their head out every now and then. Um, there was there were a hell of a lot of people sort of appearing at different points um, in and out with so many different people with injuries and new roles and all that sort of stuff. Day one is always a bit chaotic as people are working out who they need to speak to and where they need to go and all those sorts of things. But yeah, I saw Joe pop his head out at different points to, to see what was going on. What about the draft that comes up uh, next Monday? It appears that uh, the West Coast Eagles now are zero, zeroing in on uh, Harley Reid, the, the number one pick. Uh, is that what you're hearing? Yeah, well, the one thing I find really interesting about the draft is the AFL would love nothing more than drama on draft night, I reckon. So I don't reckon there was ever going to be a chance that West Coast would actually trade this pick before the night. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it gets traded on the night, and the AFL would love that. If in the next few days the West Coast got together with any other club and said, right, here's the deal, we're going to do it, and then the night starts, we're on the clock, and imagine what it would be like from the AFL's perspective from a TV um, viewing perspective and from a drama and online, all that sort of stuff, um, social media, if the, the first time ever the pick gets traded on the night. So I wouldn't say it's over and done with yet, uh, but there's no doubt that West Coast are in the box seat to, to hold on to that pick unless they're given something dramatic. But I, um, I wouldn't be surprised if something did happen on the night and all of a sudden it became the big story of the evening that mm. a club was prepared to to make that sort of a deal. Yeah, I would love that from a TV perspective. Oh, they would. They'd absolutely love it. Of course, Dan Curtin, from all reports, has been flown over by Hawthorne uh, ahead of the draft last Monday. We know what uh, his manager had to say, Jason Dover, here on SENWA last week. Uh, He reckons the West Coast Eagles would be uh, foolish to overlook him, but uh, they may not be thinking the way that uh, the manager's thinking about Dan Curtin. Uh, It's a difficult one, isn't it, really? Homegrown? reportedly a very, very good product against somebody that's been touted the best in the draft for another another well, a few seasons. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Harley Reid looks like the, the dynamic, game-changing sort of player that every club would love. But you want to have two, don't you? you know, anyone can do a knee or anyone can go home or anyone can just not live up to their potential. So if you can get two players, that would be ideal, which is why we keep talking about will they split that pick. But I love what Hayes said the other week on, on his program that... 
You know, what if they tried to get back into the draft with that first that, that, that first round pick next year? Use your future first and try to get Harley Reid at one and then Dan Curtin later on in the draft. Mm. If that possibility arises, well, then all of a sudden you can turn around and say, look at, look at the draft hall we've got here. We've got Jinby and Dewitt last year with Noah Long as well, who's had a great impact in his first season. And then if you can trade next year's pick and get two top 10 picks this season, well, who knows what you can do in terms of fast-tracking your development if you've got Reid and Curtin into that group as well. So they'll be opening up all doors and leaving everything available to them, I would have thought. Yeah, interesting times. We've got, uh, as we know, the first round happening next Monday. And then the fixtures will drop after that, after the draft, won't they, uh, Cod? That's the way uh, the AFL tends to plan it. No, the fixtures are coming out this week, they've indicated. So uh, I think it's Thursday they're saying right. they're looking to drop the fixtures now. So they're leaking out bit by bit um, in ter- as, they, as they tend to do. There were three games announced today uh, that we played in the Northern Territory. That includes Fremantle heading up there to play Melbourne in, Al- in Alice Springs. Uh, and then, of course, we know that the, the gather round fixtures have already been announced as well. So just little bit by little bit, they're starting to come out. But we'll get a lot more information about... Uh, the entire season later on this week. So you're hearing it could be around Thursday? Yeah, Thursday is what, is what, is what was um, mentioned the other day. Now, obviously, things can change and, um, and all that sort of stuff, but at the moment, that's, that's what they're saying is going to be the case. Good stuff. Thanks for joining us, Craig, and giving us a bit of a spin on how it went down at Coburn today. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Thanks for your time. No worries. Have a good day. Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australia regarding what's happening at uh, the Fremantle Footy Club. So, yeah, I thought it might have actually dropped the week after, maybe uh, this time next week, uh, the fixtures. But Craig's under the impression that they'll drop possibly around Thursday. And no doubt we plastered over the media on Friday and possibly even Saturday right across the weekend. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But as he's mentioned, we've been drip-fed a few of the rounds so far, including the gather round and some of the matches that could be played at the top end and in Alice Springs as well. All right, uh, interesting, uh, Brendan has actually uh, gone on the temperate bedshed text machine. Just on the run home, I did mention when we were speaking to Clive Adams from uh, the bowl segment that next year uh, the teams in the Premier League, uh, it'll be a case of men and women playing together. The best from both genders will be able to play on the one team. And Brenda's not pretty happy with it. He says, absolute joke that Saturday pennants will be open uh, to genders across the board. I'm a bowler and I play pennants to compete and associate. Uh, I'll not be playing pennant bowls if this goes through and I know many others won't either. It's creating issues at clubs already. Um, Well, I don't know. As I said, I'm not too close to the bowls community here in Western Australia. But as Clive uh, pointed out, it looks like uh, that'll be the case as of uh, 2024-2025 season when it comes to top flight bowls here in Western Australia. It's 27 past five. Come and join us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, uh, 0487-736-736. If you are a bowler that now is part of uh, that scenario in the lower leagues, tell us how it's going and if it's working well and if it's being well received. Wouldn't mind hearing from you. We'll come back with more after the break. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change me up. Don't change me 
Of course, you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. Jump on board. Uh, their next assignment is against the Cairns Taipans at the RAC Arena on Thursday night. The Wildcats on a pretty good run at the moment. Three wins in a row after, of course, losing... What was it? Four in a row. Things do turn around pretty quickly. Now for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. We're all looking forward to the World Cup uh, semi-finals. Gee, it's taken ages to get to this stage. But Wednesday night, we'll have India taking on New Zealand. And Thursday night, Australia taking on South Africa. And today on SEN down there in Tasmania... Uh, Australia taking on South Africa, uh, of course, on Thursday. And I was just saying on SEN down in Tasmania, Tim Payne was featured and uh, spoke about what he thinks will be the best Australian 11 for that World Cup semi-final. Obviously, Maxi comes back in. Stark comes back in for Abbott straight away. Hopefully, Mitchell Stark can swing the ball early. That's a huge key to us. But that's where I'm using Marcus Thornis. I said it right back at the start. Give him the new ball for two or three overs and see if he can just swing it around. And if he can get it off the straight, we might get a wicket or two. If we're going to go down that path and use him with the new ball, then I'm picking him ahead of Marnus. Stoinis stays in if they use him with the new ball, if that's a role they see him. For me, if he's not, he goes out and we stick with Marnus and bring Maxwell in to obviously bowl the overs. That He's bowled for us really, really well throughout the World Cup. Can Josh Hazelwood can keep doing what he's doing. He'll bowl beautifully no matter where you use him. I like Paddy Cummins to Quinton de Kock, and he is the key wicket in this semi-final. If we can get him out, I like Pat with a brand-new ball. If Pat can come around the wicket and actually swing or seam the ball away from him, I think he can nick him off. So there you go, Tim Payne, former Australian captain, uh, talking about what he thinks would be the best Australian eleven For the semi-final against South Africa, that'll be played on Thursday. It should be an absolute beauty. Of course, the two winning nations through to the World Cup final, which will be staged on the weekend. Well, um, as we know, Alex Rance uh, was, well, he shocked a lot of people when he decided to retire at what many people thought was the peak of his career uh, with the Richmond Tigers. Uh, He said he wanted to walk away from football and pursue other interests, one being, of course, uh, with his religious outlook. But he's returned, no doubt, the invitation of uh, his former coach in Damien Hardwick at the Gold Coast Suns. And today, Alex Ranks spoke about his role at the Gold Coast Suns with Hardwick next season. Very excited to join the, the Gold Coast Suns family. The multifaceted role for me, one as a uh, Loop Logics partnership manager, but also something that I'm, I'm really uh, also passionate about is the, the culture and leadership space. So I'll be doing uh, a lot of that with the, the boys program two days a week here. I really love the trajectory of the football club in, in the way that it's going. It's an exciting young list with a lot of, I think, untapped potential. And the thing that I was most passionate about when I was playing is the, the culture and, and leadership components. And leadership has many faces. Uh, a lot of people see just the captains and vice captains, but once we can start to harness everyone's individual roles within the system and we can get clarity on that, that's when the magic really happens. Yeah, it speaks very well, does uh, Alex Rance. Now, uh, has got his involvement with the Gold Coast Suns. We wish him the best of luck. Good to see him actually back in footy. And, of course, everybody is on Ange Postacoglu watch, uh, and things do change very quickly. Uh, Spurs had not lost in their opening 10 games, and they thought he was the Messiah. In the last uh, two games, they've been beaten 4-1 by Chelsea after going down to nine men, and they were beaten 
by Wolverhampton Wanderers at Molyneux in the Midlands of uh, England by two goals to one. They led by one goal to nil and then conceded two goals in added time. This is how it went down. for Ange. The Aussies said uh, on the chances to win the game. He reckons they were there. Yeah, we had a few. You know, I thought we could have been a bit more positive in the first half. I thought we had some good opportunities to create some good chances and you know, scoring early, you know, we, we, we kind of sort of played a little bit conservatively, but um, yeah, second half we had a couple of decent opportunities that uh, we could have taken. So there you go. There's Ange after going down uh, twice in a week in the Premier League and now they sit in fourth position when only a week or so ago they were sitting at the top of the EPL. That update, thanks to Polaris. Uh, their plate clearance deals are on now. Save $2,000 on the range of 1,000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. Just before we take a break, on the other side of the break, we'll hear from Alex Aparkas, who is the A-League Perth Glory women's coach. They are absolutely barnstorming that competition at the moment. Three years ago, they were lucky to even get a point. They got one point for the whole season. The last two seasons, they've just missed out on the finals. And now, after the first four games, they're undefeated and sailing on top. How is he doing it? We'll speak to him next. And just regarding the AFL draft, of course, the first round is next Monday. So we look forward to covering that for you. A Fremantle, by the way, for those people that want to sort of now look at investing and finding out how their clubs are likely to go, Fremantle's picks are 34 46, 60, 64, and 85. And, of course, small forwards seem the obvious point of call for the Dockers, who might have to get aggressive with some trades to strengthen their draft hand on the night. And the West Coast Eagles are sitting at 1, 23, 37, 58, and 81. Uh, As it stands, the Eagles look set to hold firm and keep the number one draft pick despite interest from other clubs. We'll wait and see how that eventuates on the night. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA on this Monday. And here's a quick community update thanks to Firecoat. Be alert and prepared this bushfire season. Now, stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services and visit DFES, that's D-F-E-S dot And this community update is thanks to new fire coat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions available at Bunnings Warehouse. Well, i tell you what, they're on fire when it comes to the A-League women's competition. Four rounds, four wins, top of the league. We're talking about the Perth Glory A-League women's side and their coach joins us, Alex Aparkas, right now. Alex, thanks for your time. No, my pleasure. What a great first month to the season. Yeah, it has been. Um, the players are 
are doing really well. The squad's, you know, super competitive. Um, we've got a great balance about what we're doing and we've had four really good competitive uh, hit-outs and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with where we're sitting right now. Yeah. Is it beyond your expectations? Uh, how do you feel about it? Are you surprised? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's it's beyond my expectations or surprise. I'd say that we're being rewarded for the focused effort and approach we'd given during the, the pre-season. Um, I knew that we had an exciting group that we were able to put together. And I knew that if we were really locked in and, and focused and um, we executed you know, how, how we wanted to play, we, we would be capable of this type of, um, of start and executing the performances that we have been. I think that's something that that's probably going to be our, our DNA now as long as we yeah, continue to um, be able to be really focused with it. All wins have been tight when you look at it. Even the one on the weekend, you came from behind to beat Adelaide United by two goals to one. I think I saw you make a comment that you thought that was the best of the wins so far. Yeah, it was. Uh, Adelaide in particular put on a very spirited performance. They hadn't. They were coming into that game not having the start to the season they really were probably hoping to have. And they're a great team, really good players, experienced players across the park, great coach. Um, so I knew that they were going to be really up for that game. And that's what we got. We got a really tight contest where both teams really went at it. Both controlled possession, both controlled the game at different stages. Once we went 1-0 down, I thought, OK, this is going to be a real test for us to see exactly where we are as a group. Um, and credit to the players, they took on some information at half time, And the second half, we really... Um, we really Improved in some areas, and, and the players were exceptional to show the resilience to get a to get two goals and, and get all three points. And saying that, the week before you're away, and you'd never beaten Canberra in the national capital. Again, that was a tight game. You won by three goals to two. Two scoring three goals away from home must have been pleasing as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it certainly was, and that's a tough trip to Canberra and. You know, as you, as you pointed out, the club hadn't had a result there, uh, a win there previously. Um, and we certainly were made to work for that. On, on two instances, we went ahead. And then on two instances, Canberra did really well to um, to get back into the contest. And once we got the third goal, it was, yeah, it was, uh, there was enough there for us to make sure that we held out and got the three points. And look, what I would say is that when when you're playing well and when you've got confidence, people step up and win moments and there's a number of players and it's different players luckily for us across all the weeks but players are stepping up and delivering when it matters under pressure. And who are those players? Tell us about the additions to the squad and how this team seems to be far more resilient possibly than the previous teams you've been in charge of. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. I think that look, uh, Susan Fongson came, while she's not a new, a new face to us, she's someone who is um, really coming to life this season. She's been a match winner for us now with, with, her, with her goals on three different occasions. Um, and she's, yeah, she's proving to to really be taking this season by the scruff of its neck. And she's got a lot to play for. She's, um, she's still very young, but I know she's extremely motivated to do well this season. So she's been an important part of what we're doing. Um, and then the other attacking options, you know, Grace Jarlane, Millie Farrow there, they're doing their business that they need to do. And then across the back line, we've obviously got the leadership of Tash. We've got 
Claudia coming into her own this season, Mihocic and, and Jess Cow. It's been very good for us as well. I couldn't, it would be very hard for me to pinpoint one player. It's It certainly is a, a combined effort across the whole squad. And it's a far more open attacking competition sometimes in the yes. A-League men's. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I saw the game when you had the double header, when you beat Newcastle by one goal to nil uh, when the season got underway. And I was thoroughly impressed by the football played by the A-League women's team. And I followed when I can on the 10 network, uh, the the other games as well. Saying that, uh, you seem to be a coach that wants to take the game on. Is that the way the girls are playing? It certainly is. I think we spent a lot of time on working in you know, our attacking play, our attacking movements. Um, one thing I've learned over the last couple of seasons now is that we – we need to score more goals, and that was really important during the off-season to make sure that we had a good balance of attacking threats and options. Um, and we, yeah, we, we were really conscious in ensuring that we're not going to put all the all the pressure of scoring just on one or two players. We really wanted it to be something that's spread equally across the field. Um, and yeah, we've been able to do that, and we're, we're having a lot more shots per game than what we have in previous years. We're having a lot more penalty box entries than what we have in, in previous years and goals. So. It's been good, and long may it continue. It seems to be a fairly tight competition as well, Alex. I said at the top of the interview, you haven't blown any teams away. Do you think that'll be a reflection of the season going forward as well? Uh, I think that we've still got a lot of improvement in us and growth, and we can be a little bit more clinical in moments. And uh, I think that if we're really focused, as I said, on what we're doing, um, we give ourselves a chance in every match. Whether it blows open or not, You know that doesn't always give a real indication of a dominant team in a specific match. There are a lot of factors that go into some of those big open games uh, when the scoreline does blow out a little bit. I can see all the teams progressing as well, though, throughout the course of the season. Um, you know, we, we had a slow start this time last year, but we really built into it and had a great run towards the back end. Teams, you know, they go through different types of roller coasters. So I, I do expect every game to be a really big competitive hit for us, um, but as long as we're sort of looking after what we need to, or we give ourselves a chance in every game. You've got a big one this Saturday night, haven't you? Uh, Melbourne victory, yeah. uh, they're in fifth position. You're on top at the moment, and the game gets underway. Seven o'clock Saturday night at Macedonia Park. Uh, this will be another real test for your squad. Yeah, absolutely, and this is what I'm saying. You know, They haven't had the start they would have liked um, in the first few weeks, but they're starting to come good now. You know, They've got close to 300 Matildas caps spread across their group. They've got the most experienced coach in the competition. You know, they train at the home of the Matildas. This is a big team and it's a big test. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. I know the players are really, really excited to go head to head with this group. I know last season, I don't think you beat them. Uh, There was a draw away from home and they got you here at home. So uh, it'd be good to reverse that uh, this Saturday night. Do you expect to change the side at all? Because you've got a bit of depth in your squad now. Are you conscious of rotating players and keeping them fresh? Uh, it's always an interesting one. You can um, you can look at it a number of ways. And, you know, we, we do have a lot of options. And I think that is one of the reasons we've had a fantastic start because the internal depth and the internal competition for positions is really pushing players. Um, and that's, that's an important factor. Um, when I look at Melbourne Victory in particular, you know, as I mentioned, they're a very experienced team. So when we go through the selection process, that'll be something, uh, one of the variables that 
will have to consider when making decisions. But we've got the team that can really go out there and, and, and do some damage. And whoever, whoever gets selected, I think, will um, really give a great account of themselves. And what about on the back end of the Matildas? We saw them here with those uh, Olympic qualifiers. The interest in women's football is at a high level in Australia at the moment. And we can see the attendances. And no doubt you're noticing the attendances following the Perth glory at Macedonia Park is increasing week by week, game by game. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, there's been incremental increases every week that we've played at home. And as you mentioned, it's definitely something that's noticed by the team in particular. Like the support is it's vocal. I think um, it's a great family atmosphere. There's a good connection with the community within our home fixtures. And as well as when we've played away so far at uh, McKellar Park in Canberra, and, you know, they doubled their, their average attendance and had their highest ever. And I think they hit just just over 2,000 um, for that small boutique stadium. It was definitely an electric atmosphere, and I think it's great. It's exactly where um, the game needs to continue to head, and we're in a really exciting you know, phase, and I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of it at this point in time. Yeah, Alex, you're doing an outstanding job. You really are, and I know the, the players love playing under your leadership. You show real enthusiasm, real passion, and you've got a very, very good football brain. Can continued success, uh, four wins from the first four games, the Perth Glory A-League women, sitting in probably in uncharted territory, certainly in your time, top of the table. Let's hope it continues after their win and the game against the Melbourne Victory this Saturday. Thanks for your time. Thank you, mate. Alex Aparkas, the coach of the A-League Perth Glory women's team, doing fantastic things at the moment. And now, before I go, just an update, thanks to Gear to save time and water. One of the big stories is that Perth Glory's takeover, Prime Land chairman Robert Brick and business partner John Neckich has sensationally fallen through after the pair failed to meet certain conditions as part of the deal, less than four weeks after the pair agreed to purchase the club, the deal has been cancelled by the receiver's quarter mentha. The club has been placed into receivership after previous owner Tony Sage was issued with a breach notice by the Australian Professional Leagues, the governing body who runs the A-Leagues over unpaid fees earlier this year. And after a lengthy process, quarter mentha chose Brick and Nekic as the Glory's new owners over six other interested parties. And in a statement, the APL, APL confirmed that the deal had fallen through. So there you go, some bad news there for the Perth Glory. And as we mentioned, the first of four-year players returned for both the West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers uh, today. And whilst some senior players were also put through some movement drills, uh, there was quite an impressive turnout at the Eagles Oscar Allen, Tom Barris, Jake Waterman, Dom Sheed, Liam Duggan, Jamie Cripps, Jeremy McGovern, Jack Petricelli, Alex Witherden, Tom Cole, Bailey Williams, Jermaine Jones, Josh Rotham, Elliot Yo, all joined their younger teammates in the training session today. That update, all thanks to our friends at Irrigear. Irrigear offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigear is here. That's the program. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Uh, a pretty eventful day. Plenty happening in sport. And we'll return again at 5 o'clock tomorrow here on Sports Day WA, straight after the run home with Hayes and Mardo. All thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Have a good Monday night. I'll see you tomorrow.